Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. The top three reasons why Vancouver home prices will rise in the long term. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Vancouver Life Real Estate Podcast. And today we're going to look at uh, why over the long term, the top three reasons why not only will Vancouver prices maintain, they will likely increase in the future. We typically do a lot of week to week to week to week updates on where the marketplace is at, but I felt like there was a need to talk about maybe a much longer term projection and and what is the city doing and are we growing because a lot of people hold their homes for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, right? So what is the imminent future look like? Dan and I touch on that all the time, but let's take a look at maybe the next 10, the next 20, the next 30 years, and what the city is doing to prepare for that. And we've seen some new reports coming out by the city of Vancouver, and there's been some new population forecast changes. And I think it's really important to talk about it because it'll help buyers and sellers decide what to buy over the long term, right? May not come as a huge surprise um, because with more people means less land. But anyhow, um, Vancouver, Metro Vancouver has just come out with um, a new forecast that will project about 3.8 million people living in Vancouver by 2050. Um, This is obviously an increase from the 2.8 million people in 2021 um, and up from 2.38 million people from 2011. So I guess what we'll look at here is maybe to give it a... um, a baseline here, we should probably look at the top G7 countries and see how Canada is looking in terms of the rest of the world. And then we'll get down back into Vancouver. <clears throat> so if we touch on where Canada is at globally compared to the other G7 countries, Canada has roughly 424 homes for every 1,000 people. And this is below the average of roughly 471, right? Um, In order to match today's demand, we need roughly 1.8 million homes. And instead, we're on track for, what is it, Dan, 279,000 this year? Mm -hmm. So, well, we are supplying well below the demand, right? And this means that if we decided not to take in any more immigrants uh, for the next six and a half years, That's how long it would take before we would actually reach equilibrium. So right now, we're roughly at about 2.7 people per home living in Canada. Um, And when you look at 400,000 new immigrants per year, um, you know, we need roughly 148,000 homes per year to match the demand. Is that that about right? To keep status quo, yes. Yeah, to keep status quo. So yeah, I think overall, we are going to see sustainability. Obviously, there's fluctuations. Um, I think we're both bullish long-term and very long-term being you know 30 plus years here that we're going to see price appreciation. Um, 
very hard to put hard numbers on that, of course, but I think overall, we're going to see a continuance of the upward trend. Is that safe to say for both of us here? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, I, I, the other thing that takes that we should mention is that these models also take into, into account a lot of uncertainty. So it takes into account like another potential pandemic, the COVID-19, uh, uh, sort of issue or, or, a, or a greater natural, um, disaster kind of issue. It takes into, it takes into account, um, these big potential, um, changes, uh, and outside of an, a normal year, right? So that's also another point worth worth mentioning. But yeah, certainly over the long run here, we are going to see uh, price go up. It's impossible with the amount of new people coming in, the amount of property being built, and simply the amount of land that we have. It's just not going to... I just don't see prices really going anywhere but up, so long as those those three things maintain the same. Yeah, I can agree with that. So again, to kind of extrapolate a bit here on, on Ryan's numbers regarding population, Metro Vancouver, we're targeting all the way out to 2050, 2050 right here. And you know we're looking at about a million more people in Metro Vancouver over this 29 years. That's 34,000 people per year moving into Metro Vancouver. Um, based on our current status quo of about that 2.7 people living in every uh, average dwelling, um, keeping in mind, of course, mm-hmm. that the average for G7 is 2.1, but looking at that 2.7, um, about 12,000 new dwellings are needed every year in Metro Vancouver. Um, for reference, the entire province of BC is currently on track for a record 68,000 homes just this year. So while that sounds good and they are kind of catching up a bit of the lag, the lag is quite tremendous as we touched on earlier. Um, we're quite far behind the, the rest of the G7. So encouraging to see housing numbers uh, kind of um, ahead of immigration numbers. But again, we don't know how sustainable that's going to be. And we'll touch on that in a bit. Again, based on the fact that that 68,000 new dwellings is an all-time record. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that, you know, 8,000 of that will be in Vancouver, you know, maybe 8,000 will be in Surrey. Um, so that 60, you know, 60 plus thousand is going to be spread out, right? So, um, <clears throat> and that's, it's an important distinction because when you talk about just Vancouver growing by 35,000 people a year, right? Um, it's, a, it's an important distinction. So, definitely. You're, the, yeah, you're only looking homes at homes being built. Yeah, it's what 20% of that is going into Metro Vancouver. Yeah, exactly. Right. And Dan and I have talked for a long time that a lot of the planning that we think takes place in here is, is by design, obviously, and, and designed to continue to create demand and, and the growth of, of asset prices. Right. People are, homeowners are being protected in this model. And that's important to to distinct. So, um, anyhow, if we actually hit 3.8 million people, that would put Vancouver on a comparable size to Seattle and Montreal. Um, so, I, I, I you know both cities right now sit around four million. Um, that's obviously in 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 29 years. So I don't know where Montreal and Seattle will be in 29 years, but it'll put us at a current size where they're currently at. Right. Um, 
And another reason why we're going to see, uh, we think a large influx of people is um, as political climates change around the world and specifically in Hong Kong, there's over 300,000 people uh, Canadians that reside in, in Hong Kong, right? And as the political rights and, and um, well, as, as that deteriorates there and China continues to uh, its intervention into laws and human rights, uh, I think you're going to start to see a lot of those Canadians come home, right? And that's going to add to, I think, Vancouver specific will see a big push there because I think a lot of those people being on, a lot of those people will come back to the west side of Canada, right? Um, so what is Vancouver doing to prepare for this? Because we, we know that there's a large uh, growth coming. So um, what kind of homes are being built? How many? Are, is it going to work? <laughs> and what are going to be the long-term results, right? Um, I think what's really important to note in this particular uh, report is that the future of all new home types, they really center around multifamily. That probably doesn't come as a surprise, um, but roughly 50% of all new homes over the next few decades will be apartments and then multifamily, followed by townhomes and then single family. And what's really interesting about those is that multifamily will account for about 28% of that 50%. Then you've got townhomes that'll account for about 15%. And then you've got single family homes, which will flatline by about 2030 and only account for 6% of the growth. So I think it's safe to say that if you own a single family home in Vancouver, the chances of it going down in value are extremely low. This is becoming an asset class that people will largely be priced out of in the future. And uh, that's already happening now. It's only going to exacerbate going forward. I don't know, Dan, if you want to touch on that, but that's that's certainly how I feel. Yeah, no, fully agree. And, and we're kind of already seeing that happen now in the sense that uh, you look at Vancouver East, I think is a great example where a lot of uh, this region was recently uh, rezoned and densified so that you can build duplexes on what was previously single family homes. That inherently creates... Um, an increased value in that property, or, or at least its highest and best use value potential. So mm -hmm. homeowners that let's say are sitting on a home that is single family, but it's getting older, um, they could sell it and the agent will definitely sell it, uh, noting that of course you can have a, a higher and better usage of that property, or they will put, it, uh, put in that second suite, or of course, tear down and rebuild that duplex maybe live in one half, maybe sell off the other, maybe sell off both. Either way, there's more money in it. So if you're sitting on a single family home on a lot and currently it's own duplex, but you are happy with your home and have no need to sell, you know, maybe in another 10, 15 years, it's now zoned for a triplex or even a four unit building. Again, right. there's going to be more value there because, you know, you don't have to walk around too much of uh, any area of Vancouver to see single family homes being torn down for multi-unit buildings. What's that sage old saying? Buy land. They're not making any more of it. <laughs> Still true. Yeah. Still true. You know, and I and and on on the flip side of that uh, note, I think with fifty percent of all new homes over the next few decades going to be apartments. Uh, conversely, 
the most affordable entry level for somebody who's maybe a first-time buyer. Um, I think the hopes of, of your, your first-time purchase being a townhouse, a duplex, or a single-family home are going to drop dramatically in the, in the coming decades. So definitely look at um, the highest supply number is going to be apartments, right? So you're going to be able to get into likely into an apartment. And then you're going to have to do what many of us in Vancouver have done. Started a, start in an apartment, flip to a townhouse, then flip to a half duplex, then flip to a house if you can get to that house, right? Um, and that's if you plan to stay in the city. But that's going to be largely based on affordability and, and supply, right? And um, the fact that the growth of single family homes is going to flatline by the late 2030s and then decrease into the 2040s, I mean, whew, that's going to make the values of, of, of land and single family just go through the roof, right? I'm actually surprised they're not building more townhomes um, as only 15% of that growth. I know the demand for townhomes for the last four or five months has been the leader. <laughs> so it's interesting that, um, that they're not building more of them. But I guess uh, that's because of the land. That's it. If you're given uh, a piece of land where you can build 20 units or you can build eight, chances are the developer is going to go for highest and best. Of course. Yeah. And actually, um, they actually talk ab about uh, a particular project um, that they've actually been doing uh, this kind of, I think it was the, I'm trying to remember the exact neighborhood here, um, but it's along Kingsway between sort of 29th to 41st. And what they did was right along Kingsway is they've now rezoned the, the entire area, right? So the way it works is right down the arterial routes, you're going to see a lot of condos, high-rise condos, and um, you're also going to see a lot of commercial space. But then it's going to go one block in, you're going to see all the, the townhouses and duplexes that are going to change. And then inside of that, it's going to stay uh, single family, right? This is, I think, going to be the neighborhood model going forward. So I think down these large arterial streets, you're going to see sky trains and, and very high density. And then as it, it's going to back off as it gets into the neighborhoods, um, which is which is very interesting. Um, and it seems to be working right now. That's the other side. But with that being said, so we've talked about population, the population being the number one reason, I think, that we're going to see um, prices rise in the future. But then let's talk about the fact that the city continues to have its own issues with choking supply and taking forever to build permits. Dan, do you want to touch on this a little bit? It's something that we definitely talk about often because it is such, such an insurmountable, so it feels like, uh, issue here in, in GVRD. Um, I think, for example, here in Vancouver, the current licensing time and building permit wait time is about eight to nine months. And you can just imagine what that's like as a builder who's gone and, and let's say, secured a property or bought land or, or even a homeowner looking to, let's say, build a laneway house to help with the housing shortage. And you're not even going to get a formal answer for eight or nine months. Um, you know, you can imagine the economic cost of that as well. Let's say you're trying to start a business and uh, it takes eight, nine months for you to get an approval for your business license. I mean, you know, it, it, it's somewhere in the, realm, in the realm of 90 to 100 grand a month that people can potentially lose in, in revenues based on the fact that they're just being told to sit on the sidelines. So, um, you're, I mean, if you back that off, that's between twenty five dollars and $30,000 a week that people are paying in terms of delays. Mm -hmm. in terms of opportunity cost to 
potential owners. And then you're looking at, you know, if you look at the eight month hold, that's almost three quarters of a million dollars that is lost opportunity on waiting to get the revenue going, which to me, I, I just don't think like that, that has to change. And I mean, I know back in 2018, I think the city hired roughly 75 people to deal with the backlog, but they haven't, they haven't been able to deal with it. So uh, that's not, not enough yet. <laughs> I think what we've uncovered here too, Ryan, in, in all of our years and in the industry and, and having our interviews and listening to our colleagues is that this is all the, the chokehold, the bottleneck is by design. Um, there is a solution and they are not providing it on purpose. And it's literally because you've got three levels of government that are controlling housing and access to building more. And of course, on the credit side, um, but talking about the, the, the building permit side of things, if the demand outweighs the supply, prices will continue to maintain and go up. And again, this is being done by design. Um, it was largely uncovered by um, a professor uh, from the Sprott School of Business named uh, Ian Lee. And he's got um, a lot to say about this. And he's po or, uh, published a lot of articles about it that just say, look, uh, for years and years, government has been basically, their, their constituents were, were pleading for um, density, for building permits to have easier access, et cetera. And they are just being throttled down so that the demand will continue to outweigh it so that the people who keep them in power are staying wealthy. Hmm. Sounds like I've heard of something like that before. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because, I mean... Uh, Real estate, when you look at Vancouver the last 44 years, has, has really gone nowhere but up, right? So when you, when you look deeper at it and when you start to look at the levels of power and the levels of, of influence, if this doesn't change, I mean, you know, the cost, like we said, three quarters of a million dollar wait time is what you're looking at. That's a humongous demand. That's a massive demand. It also shows huge gaps in the economy, right? Where we could be employing more people. But again, done by design to create demand. Yeah. So, so they're trying to throttle up population and immigration massively. And yet they are still really holding back on the ability to let people build homes for these people. Mm. And then there's a third element <laughs> that we think is going to be, of course, the third reason why we expect home prices in British Columbia to continue an upward trend over the long term. Um, and that's your access to credit. Right. We have the big banks here are consistently changing their policies to make sure that they can supply credit to the average home buyer. Um, and there's a lot of them out there and there's a lot of competition out there. And I think the biggest tell, the biggest story, the biggest recent headline that really feeds into this narrative is um, the fact that CMHC after tightening their policies right at the beginning of the uh, pandemic and the shutdown, they lost something like 50% of their market share. And, you know, they're in business to make money as well. So they have loosened, they have lightened, <laughs> loosened uh, th their policies so that they can attract more people to borrow through them. And if that doesn't tell you where the motives are, um, I, don't, I don't know what will. It also just, it, it also, this is a bit of a sidebar, but it also goes to show that if you do not do the correct projections and you actually stand by 
what is not happening in the marketplace, that you will lose your market share and your influence, right? And CMHC has has lost a lot of influence over the last few years, due in part to their you know following Eric Sedol's advice and, and his potential forward looking um, insights that didn't happen, right? Um, and that's been a big cost to CMHC. Uh, banks, like Dan talked about, they have always competed for your rates and they will continue to do so. The question is, is are groups like CMHC and potential B lenders going to become um, more in the game than they already are, right? And uh, I think as they continue to compete for bigger market shares, uh, yeah, I think you're going to see more of that, you know, especially credit unions too. Totally agree. So there you have it. These are the top three reasons why we believe Vancouver home prices will rise over the long term. Um, funny thing is, too, as we've gone through this, Ryan, I'm really realizing this is absolutely nothing new. <laughs> right? Like it's like the the circumstances are ever evolving, and there's a lot of new data here, which speaks to it. But you know, you look back, do you remember Expo 86 and trying to attract people here? You know, uh, it's been happening for a long time and it is still being controlled and governed by all three sides, immigration, uh, supply, demand is all being controlled. And, um, you know, if, if you ever needed to have yet another belief in who's kind of controlling things here, I mean, look at the pandemic here we had, right? Biggest recession on record and the biggest home price and asset price increase on record um, by design. So hmm. what are we saying here? I don't know. It, it's hard to bet against the house in a sense and <laughs> Same, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was, that was a good dad joke for mm. not a dad. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it's the it's the same old story. Um, it's just a variation of the same old story. I think one thing worth noting, um, you know, the baby boomer population is certainly going to be retiring in waves and in droves in the next decade, right? So, you know, we're likely going to see immigration numbers that we've probably never seen in this country or probably close to, you know, just after the post-war kind of sort of numbers. Um, and that might be alarming for some people because, you know, we think that there's a lot of new people coming in here. But do know that a lot of the people that come here, and Dan and I deal with a lot of them, um, they are very highly educated technical specialists. They work in, in tech, they work in healthcare. Um, these are people that our economy needs, right? It's not bad that they're coming. It's good. And I think that that's really worth noting. Um, because it's not like they're, uh, it's not like down South where we have a bunch of illegal immigrants jumping the line, causing issues, right? These are people that are coming to contribute to our economy and coming to contribute, um, as positive people in our society. So definitely worth noting there. Great way to wrap it up there, Ryan. Uh, thanks, everyone, so much, as always, for listening and watching. And if you're enjoying this, please give us a, a subscribe. Uh, we release this data every week for you and uh, happy to keep doing it. So see you next week. Okay. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.